Pastor Xavier Reese says, when it comes to answering God, it's you who makes the call. The call of God on a person's life cannot be missed, but it can be turned down by the person's free will. So in other words, we have the power to obey and to disobey. If I obey, I'm in line with God's decrees. If I disobey, it's not going to affect God's decrees. He'll find somebody else. But I have free will. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. If God is for us, who can be against us? This simple truth from Romans 8 provides comfort for a believer of the assurance that God is indeed in control no matter what threat abounds. And this was the assurance God himself promised the youthful prophet Jeremiah as he was tasked with declaring judgment on the idolatrous and hostile nation of Judah. Pastor Xavier illustrates why those who are called can rest at ease because God is faithful in enabling his saints as sufficient for any and every undertaking he might command. Let's listen. Oswald Chambers, in his commentary of Jeremiah, declares the following. There is a difference between a person's experience of sanctification and the call of God to be a worker. The latter involves the very mystery that was exhibited in the life of our Lord. The sanctification of my holy self to God. And then he quotes, For their sakes I sanctify myself, quoting John seventeen nine. 1719. Then he continues and he says, Just as our Lord was made broken bread and poured out wine for us, so the worker is to be made broken bread and poured out wine for others. Jeremiah is a perfect picture of this type of sacrifice. His sufferings were not for his own sins directly, but for the sins of the nation and the people until the fulfillment of of his ministry, all of his life, a broken vessel. And so here in chapter 1, we have the call of Jeremiah. And let me read here and bear with me as verses 4 down to 19. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand on my mouth and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down to build and to plan. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And the word of the Lord came to me second time saying, what do you see? And he said, I see a boiling pot and it is facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord. They shall come, and each one set his throne in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls and all around and against all of the cities of Judah. 
I will utter my judgments against them concerning their wickedness, because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hand. Therefore prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar, a brazen wall against the whole land, against their kings of Judah, against the princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. As we examine the call of Jeremiah, it unfolds for us in a threefold movement here. In verses 4 through 8, you have the call of Jeremiah. And then in verses 9 through 16, you have the commission of Jeremiah. And then lastly, the commending of Jeremiah, you find in verses 17 through 19. So you have the call, the commission, and the commending of Jeremiah. Let's begin here with this call. But here in the text, we get a very specific uh, way that God called this man. And it's important to realize that God doesn't call all of us the same way. Now, the primary application in this text is to the preacher, to the teacher, to the worker who's called at a full-time basis uh, uh, as, a, as a unique call. Yet... Every one of these principles will apply to every Christian because we all have gifts and we all belong to the body of Christ and we're all called to be involved in the church. So the principles are the same, except the context is directed to a man who is specifically called to a specific uh, task that God has anointed him for. And so here the call of Jeremiah, verses 4 and 8. Notice, first of all, in verse 4, the call of Jeremiah came by the word of the Lord. And the phrase, the word of the Lord, you're familiar with, because it is a common phrase that is used by God when He chooses a man to be a spokesman, one to speak on His behalf. The call of Jeremiah is His own testimony. If you notice, it is in the first person. It is autobiographical as a narrative. This is his testimony. This is his experience through his own eyes, what took place and what was going on in him. And Jeremiah has much autobiographical narrative. And we get to see the world through his eyes and how he felt. And he opens up his heart like no other prophet before. Now, whether the phrase implies an audible voice or not, we don't know. I've never heard the audible voice of God, though I know God speaks to me often. As I read his word, he directs me just as he speaks to you and he directs you. So it's not necessarily an audible voice. Not that God couldn't do it, but I've never heard it. But, you know, I think if I heard the voice of God, I'd probably die. But, you know, but I'm open. Um, <laughs> often we read, the word of the Lord came to Hosea. Hosea 1.1. The word of the Lord came to Joel. Joel 1.1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah 1.1. And this is a common phrase as the Lord speaking to the individual. Now, there were other prophets that were called through visions. Jeremiah is going to have a couple of visions, but that's not how he was called. You have Isaiah chapter 6. He was called as he was in the temple, and he saw a vision of the Lord in his temple. And he was sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and... The glory filled the throne and the seraphim were flying around and he said, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of a dirty mouth and God says, no problem. And the seraphim flew from the, from the altar there with a coal and touched his lips and cleansed his mouth. And God says, who shall go for us? And Isaiah says, hey, send me. And so Isaiah was called through a vision. Now, I've never had a vision. Now, visions and dreams are for today. I've never had a vision though. 
And I've never had a dream. But I'm open. You know what I mean? God just wants you to be open. But if He does, as we're going to see, and I don't want to get into that right now, but it will never contradict God's Word, okay? So we'll get into that a little more as we move on. Now, Ezekiel also had a vision. And Ezekiel was there at the river Chebar. Now remember, Ezekiel's in captivity in Babylon. Jeremiah is over in Jerusalem. And God is using both of them at two different places to give the same message. And both of them are opposed by false prophets as we go through the Word of God. Now, he sees this vision of God. You know, many people take that as UFOs and they use that in many programs and that. And, um, and he sees these wheels within a wheel and eyes spinning around and, and the thing goes 90 degree and everything else. And so they think it's UFOs and everything else. But it's just angels, just seraphims, cherubims. I mean, no big deal, you know. To God is nothing. And then at the end of the chapter, he falls on his face because he sees the glory of one as the glory of God. And he says, stand up. And the Spirit of God goes in him. And as he does this, he says, I'm going to send you to the children of Israel, a rebellious people. And God inducts Ezekiel through a vision also. Now, why do I say all this? Because you have to be careful lest you start running your life by people's testimony. This is the way God calls. Boom. Cement. No. Listen, you can be out mowing your lawn and God call you into ministry. In fact, when God confirmed to me that I was to leave West Covina, I was building a brick pillar in my front porch. God spoke to me. So be careful of patterns. He knows your address. He knows where you live. No one's going to come and tell you, listen, God told me to tell you. Tell him to go take a hike. When God has dealt with you, someone will come and say, you know, I feel the Lord has a word of knowledge for you or something, and they come forth, and then it's a confirmation. That's different. But it will never be news to you. You will be the first to know. <laughs> That's how personal God is, okay? Now notice in verse 5, the call of Jeremiah revealed to him God's foreknowledge. God told Jeremiah that before he formed them in his mother's womb, God knew him. Boy, what a mind blower. What are you talking about? <laughs> The word form is the same word that is used in Genesis for forming Adam, fashioning him. The knowledge of God about Jeremiah was not dependent on the fact that he had to be born. God knows everything. We've been studying the attributes of God. He can't, there's nothing he can learn. He can make no mistake. God knows us so well. Notice God told Jeremiah that before he was born, he had sanctified him for the purpose of his calling. And the word sanctified, as you know, it means to be separate, to consecrate, to be hollow. So God, before he was even born, before he was even conceived, God set him apart for his purposes. Just as he set you apart for his purposes, me apart for his purposes. I had no idea before 1973 that I was going to be called. But God knew it before I was even in my mother's womb. Before I was even born in Mexico City. <laughs> before my mom was born in New York. Before my mom's parents were born in Spain. Before my dad's dad was born in Germany. Blow your circuits there. We don't know anything until it happens. And then sometimes we're even too dumb to know that. If that's not enough, God told Jeremiah there in verse 5 that he ordained him as a prophet to the nations. And the word ordain means to appoint or to designate. This is God's appointment. We have appointments by the president for ambassadors and stuff like that. And there's a great prestige and honor. This is God's appointment. This is not just any ordinary appointment. Jeremiah 
as a prophet was to be the spokesman on behalf of Yahweh to the nation of Judah. But not only that, he was appointed as God's spokesman to the nation of the Gentiles. So it goes way beyond the people of God. Now in the later chapters, from chapter 46 to 51, you're going to get some of the Gentile nations that he prophesied to uh, Egypt, Philistia, Moab, Ammon, Edom, Damascus, Kedar, Hazor, and Babylon. And Babylon, of course, would be the instrument of God's judgment to chasten his people and take them to captivity, and then God would turn around and destroy Babylon. Well, not really destroy, but conquer by Medo-Persia, just as he did with Assyria. Remember that? And he told Habakkuk. And Habakkuk said, I can't believe it, Lord. I said, I told you. Now notice thirdly, in verse 6, the response of Jeremiah to his call was bewilderment. He declares the overwhelmingness of the call by the phrase, Oh, Lord God. It's not, Oh, Lord God. That's not what it is. It's, Oh, Lord God. The heaviness of it, the, the, just the perception of what he was being called to, the understanding that he was of the priestly family was great responsibility enough. But now to be a prophet of God, to speak to the rebellious people, to be sent to the Gentile world also, to communicate to them the judgment to come. Jeremiah stands as a lone pillar in the wilderness, all alone. But to be called a prophet, he's overwhelmed. He declares his lack of qualification, of course, <laughs> which is good. Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Remember, Jeremiah here at this point feels inadequate. He was most likely about 17 to 20 years old. And so, you know, you weren't considered an elder till after 40. Here he's a teenager or breaking into his 20s. Now, you remember Josiah was the good king at the time of Jeremiah's inception of his ministry. And um, he had begun his reign about eight years of age. And this was the 13th year of his reign, and now Jeremiah is being called. So, if you look at Josiah's age and Jeremiah, they were about the same age. Josiah is about 21. He began at eight and 13, that makes him 21. And you find that in 2 Kings 21.1. When he began to reign. Now Jeremiah's call at this time is five years before the great reformation of Josiah. Remember that Hilkiah, the father of Jeremiah, went into the temple to restore the temple. And he found the book of the law. He brought it to the, to the king. The king said, take it to the prophetess Hilda. And she began to share with him. And they repented. And there was a great reform. But the reform was superficial for the people. Genuine in the heart of Josiah. Superficial for the people. Listen. As a nation, it was over. There was nothing that God could do for the nations we're going to see. But individual hope was great. And I see that in our nation today. I am almost positively convinced that America has crossed that line. Particularly after what has happened with the Twin Towers. And I see the response of our people, how it's just turned into patriotism and money and no true repentance. And it is very possible that as far as a nation, nothing can be done. But individually, there's great hope for the American individual. 
as they hear the gospel and they get right with God. But as a nation, I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. But I see our nation neck and neck to the nation of Israel in Jeremiah's day. Notice in verse 7 and 8, fourthly, you have the call of Jeremiah. It was confirmed by God. This is always good because you don't know. Sometimes you think God's talking to you. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you think. But God confirms it. Jeremiah was told by Yahweh not to say he was a youth. Isaiah said, woe is me, I'm undone. A man of unclean lips. God takes care of that. God enables who he calls and sends always. He's not the author of confusion. The sovereign will of God is perfect in wisdom. He will never violate human free will. Never. If he calls, he enables. If he calls, he gives a choice. If he gives a choice, then he respects human will. How do those things all work out? I don't know. We'll both sit down and talk with God when we get there. Jeremiah was told that he would go to whom God sent him to. So it's a directed ministry. It's not something that God just kickstarts and then Jeremiah just kind of, you know, God says, okay, you're getting warm, warm, warm. No, you're cold, 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 warm. No. He directs him. He guides him. Yahweh would be directing him in his ministry constantly. Yahweh would be choosing the people to whom he would speak to. Does he not do that in our life if we're sensitive or we're asking God? Does he not do that to us? Then Jeremiah is the same thing. No different. Notice at the end of verse 7 that Jeremiah was told that he would speak to whoever God commanded. So the word would be Yahweh's, not his own. The places would be those that Yahweh would seek out and the people. And he would be the servant of Yahweh, not the reverse. Today in the church, people think that God is their genie. People in the church today think that God is the servant boy of the church. We've got it reversed. He sets the orders. We do the marching. He tells us what the rules are and we obey him. Notice in verse 8, Jeremiah was told not to be afraid of the people's faces, for God would deliver him. The authority of Jeremiah's call was God's. Three times, the personal pronoun I refers to God in verse 7 and 8. I send you, I command you, I am with you. The safety of Jeremiah is assured. The Lord would be with him and deliver or rescue him. So he gives great assurance to Jeremiah. But he lays it on the line. Jeremiah is going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a very difficult task. So he lays it on the table. God always does that. Jesus told his disciples, you guys want to follow me? The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You want to follow me? Pick up your cross and follow me. But you better deny yourself first. When God called Moses to proclaim judgment over Pharaoh and to deliver God's people, Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who has made the mute? Who has made the deaf, the seen, the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Exodus three ten through 12. You see, God is not looking for people of refined talents. 
He's looking for people that just make themselves available. Not so much, you know, your ability, but availability. And God will equip you. God will do the work in you and through you as he did through Jeremiah. The call of God on a person's life cannot be missed. But it can be turned down by the person's free will. Or it can be turned into their own agenda. And we see this through the Bible. We see it through history also. Listen to Oswald Chambers what he says about this. The confusion is... To make predestination mean that we have no choice at all. We have. Jeremiah had the choice. He nearly made the great refusal and said, no. We have power to disobey. If we had not, we should not have power to obey. But we have no power to alter the almighty decrees of God. So in other words, we have the power to obey and to disobey. If I obey, I'm in line with God's decrees. If I disobey, it's not going to affect God's decrees. He'll find somebody else. Do you remember Esther? Okay, you don't want to go, fine. God's deliverance will come from somewhere else. All right, all right. Have him pray for me. I'm going to go into the king. You see, if I do not respond to God's call in my life, it affects my life alone. Not the decrees of God. I've told you before, Billy Graham once said that he, he knows he was the number one man. He knew that God gave the ministry to a Canadian, but that man refused it. And God gave it to Billy. So, here Jeremiah. He's at the point of saying no, but he didn't, thank God. He made a decision to follow God's will. The response to God's call must always be with a sense of inadequacy apart from God's enabling. We have to be careful we don't think that we, because we've got education and we've got certain experience that we're sufficient for the task. Listen to Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves or being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. No one's sufficient for this. Who, who is sufficient to run a church? <laughs> Not me. I have a hard time with myself, just one sinner. The call of God on a person's life will always be confirmed by God throughout the call of the individual as God directs him. This is God's faithfulness. Through my life, God has constantly confirmed this call by opening doors, by providing, by bringing the people, by giving sermon material, by doing the work. Constantly. Listen to Paul the Apostle as he is in Corinth in Acts 18, 9 through 11. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by the vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you or hurt you, for I have many people in the city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. God was faithful to confirm false call. Over and over and over again. He's done it in my life. He'll do it in your life. As you abide in Him, He will be faithful to come alongside always and bring that confirmation. This was the call of Jeremiah. Heavy call. But He opened His heart to it. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with the young prophet Jeremiah, God's undying faithfulness to the obedient servant. Now, if you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online.
Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But if you prefer your own personal copy, as always, you can pick up a CD of today's study for just $4, and it's titled, The Call of Jeremiah. And having your own copy makes it convenient to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, The Call of Jeremiah, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. God isn't on a search for the qualified to work in His service. The simple truth is, He qualifies the ones He calls. Pastor Xavier Reese has more on the prophet Jeremiah next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com